Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. For more information, please call 234-803-481-0869 or for free audio downloads, kindly visit www.davidogaga.org. Okay, so we want to continue uh, with this relation to this uh, angel. And then next week I'm going to be dealing with the issue of the cloud that is surrounding the throne and the one that is over the head of this particular angel. So this angel, as we are told, is clothed with a cloud. And the rainbow is upon his head. Now we find the same thing in Revelation 4 verse 3. And I'm sure we read that last week, but you can open there. Or let's give me King James Exodus to ask you to change that. Um, in Revelation 4 verse 3, the Bible says, And he had in his hand a little book open, and he sent his right foot upon the sea. No, I mean Revelation 4 verse number 3. Revelation 4 verse number 3 And he that was to look upon like a jasper and a siding stone And there was a rainbow round about a throne In sight like unto an emerald We read this as well last week But we find out the same thing The same rainbow that was upon the throne or around the throne Is the same rainbow that was upon the head of this particular angel and they're going to find that it was clothed with a singular cloud. I don't want you to know that because it's very important. It didn't say clouds. It said cloud. Hallelujah. Actually, this is speaking to us of the firstborn son of God, which is Christ himself. Like I said, the angel is. And this is very important. I would like us to know that because as we make progress, we'll be able to discover that at the end of the day, when we start dealing with the issue of the cloud, you find that this throne is surrounded by one cloud, a singular cloud. The cloud upon the head of this angel is one cloud, but we find scripture saying he comes in the clouds. So how is this one cloud becoming clouds? That I'm going to explain next week. Praise the Lord. So we shall be dealing fully with that. Now, the feet, the Bible tells us here, the fire is upon his feet. And what is that supposed to mean? I tried to explain to us last week as well that this speaks a little bit, basically in a way, a large degree, of the stability of the work of Christ. In terms of now purifying judgment in the elect, the saints of God, until the members of his body is complete and then we come to the point of the fullness of life of glory and power to be impacted to the many sons to whom he has brought into glory what i'm saying is this he is doing the work of purification right now in your life and in my life and that purification brings us to the place of full glory, full power, full dominion. I want you to understand that the Bible says it is the head and we are the body. 
And the body must be as the head before it can become one. Is that okay? The supply to the body comes from the head. And the body must represent the head because the head communicates to the body. And you remember the scripture that says, Christ loves the church and wants to present the church to himself as a child without spot or wrinkle. Remember that? That's the point. So, the fish you see there, the fire you see there, is not a fire of, in terms of judgment, to crucifixion, or killing, or whatever, but it's a judgment that brings forth righteousness at the end of it. It's doing the work of purification in the elect of God's people right now. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 2 verse 10. Hebrews 2 verse 10. And this is what the Bible says. For it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons unto what? Unto glory. To make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. Bring them into glory. Can we find this from maybe message translation or Amplify translation so that we can look at something there very quickly. It makes a good sense that the God who gave everything started and keeps everything going now completes the work by making the salvation pounding and perfect through suffering as it leads all these people toward the glory. You together? That's the point. The completion, the completion of that which you call salvation. Salvation is just the beginning of the journey. And now, the completion of that which is supposed to be this journey is that we, who are the elect of God, are brought to the place of glory. And that speaks volume if we start begin, I mean, if we, if we want to start talking about it. The Bible says Christ is the express image of the glory of God. I don't know if you remember that. And so, the scripture says, let us make man in our image and afterward our likeness. And that is very important. So, if Christ is the express image and glory of God, and Christ, like man, was made a little bit lower than the angels, it simply means we're coming back to the very place of dominion, authority, and power, and glory that God has for us in the very beginning. Now for that to come to be, Christ is undergoing or undergone this suffering that he might bring us to that place of perfection. So you see, he's doing a job in your life, he's doing a work in your life. There are things that he's doing that you don't know about. But the ultimate goal is that you're coming to the place of perfection. Is that alright? Can we take Matthew chapter 1, I think verse 20, if we can, from the Amplified Translation. I just want us to see something there. Uh, is that 120 now? I'm getting it wrong here. But I was trying to look at the scripture that tells us that the ultimate goal is God himself. But it's not 120, I'm sure here. This is the same thing that... But we're talking about... Okay, let me just move on. Let's read, maybe. But as he was thinking this, that is um, Joseph. 
Bapu they were married. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, descendant of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in the eyes of the Holy Ghost. That good of verse 21. Uh, she shall bear a son, and shall call his name Jesus, the Greek form of the Hebrew Joshua, which means Savior. For he will save his people. Now, this is what I'm looking for. He will save. What is that? Joshua, which means Savior. For he will save his people from their sins. Now, this, he will prevent them from failing and missing the true end and scope of life. Which is what? God. That's what. He will do what? Now this is the process. This is the way he's walking. He will do what? He will prevent them from failing and missing the true end. In other words, salvation is just the beginning. It says all called salvation. You are saved, but now there is a work that is taking place in your life. And God is moving you on. I mean, Christ is moving you on. And doing so much in your life unknown to you until you attain to the ultimate goal of salvation. The end of salvation is that you becoming one with God. God is the ultimate goal. I'm sorry to say heaven is not even your goal. From what the scripture says. That may be confusing. But heaven is not your goal. Your goal is God. Is that alright? Come to think about man, he didn't lost heaven. Sorry to say, you lost relationship with God. You never lost heaven in Eden. When God created man and said, Let them have dominion over everything we've created, you never lost heaven. You lost relationship with God. When man fell, is that okay? So, what is Christ doing? He's bringing us back to that relationship. Where God has to be the ultimate goal again. In other words, reconciliation to the point where you can speak as one bettered by God in glory. That's what Hebrew is talking about. In bringing many sons into glory. Now, the statement I made now may be very confusing and a lot of people can fight against it, but it makes no difference. Is that okay? This is what the Bible is saying here. I'm not speaking anything else. It says, you take it again. What Christ is doing is preventing you from failing and missing the true end and scope of life. Which is what? God. So, we are working towards God. Are you with me? That is what he's doing. So there's something going on in your life unknown to you. Every day, you, you, you're undergoing a lot of processing. That's why his feet is like that of fire. It is meant for processing you. Praise the Lord. If you're confused about that, God is going to help you as well. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Because ultimately, everything is about, the gospel is about you coming back to God. Okay, let's look at First Peter again. First Peter 4, we read that a few days ago. First Peter 4, chapter number 6, I mean verse number 6. Um, you can take it from, maybe Amplify or Simplified Translation, Living Bible. Just take it from there for me. 
First Peter chapter 4 verse number 6. Look at this. For this is why the good news, the gospel was preached in their lifetime, even to the dead. Remember those who died in the days of Noah. That they though judged in fleshly bodies by dying, as men are, they might live in the spirit as God does. This is why the gospel is preached to them. So you find that the ultimate goal and the objective of the gospel is that you come to become as God intended you to be. You becoming one with God. You becoming in you putting on His own attribute. You becoming the true representative of God on the face of the earth. How many of you understand scriptures say creations waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God? This is what we're talking about. And this is what the gospel is supposed to do for us. Bring us back to God. So sorry, don't be offended when I say heaven is not the goal. God is. <laughs> Hallelujah. Is that okay? Praise the Lord. If you have if you have God, I remember one time somebody gave me a card some years back, complimentary card. And at the back of the card he wrote this. If you miss me, you miss nothing. If you miss service, you miss nothing. If you miss this, you miss nothing. But if you miss Christ, you miss everything. So, if you, if you even looking for heaven, the only way you can really get heaven is to get God. Does it make sense? That's the only way you can get heaven. So don't push your heaven and leave God behind. Because the goal of Christ coming is to make sure you don't fail in your pursuit. Of getting to your end, which is God. Hallelujah. Okay, so we just move on. Uh, and then we also read in that particular passage in chapter 5, the Bible made us understand that he had a scroll, a little book in his hand, open. And this scroll was opened by the Lamb himself in chapter 5 of the book of Revelation. The lamb opened the scroll. Nobody else opened the scroll but the lamb. Hallelujah. It may surprise you, for instance. I, I was thinking maybe the lion should be the strongest animal to open the book. But a lion asks that of Christ doesn't open the book. What opened the book is a lamb. God's understanding and revelation can only come to the, those who are humble. That's why I say, at the mouth of base, at the perfected praise. It takes humility to receive from God. Did you get that? The lamb upon the book, not the lion. But he's the lion of the tribe of Judah. But when it comes to the revelation and his seals to be opened, it takes the lamb's spirit to do that. That's why, you see, we must learn to be humble. And that's why the Bible says, God, we exalt the humble. But we bring down the proud ones. Amen. Okay. So again we find that we refer to as an angel. But this is very strange to people. When you say, the Bible is referring to Jesus Christ as an angel. I remember somebody asked me the question in South Africa. David, everything you said I can take. But to say Jesus, an angel... There's in jail and I can't take that. I said, well, 
It's not too difficult for you to understand if only you want to understand. Hallelujah. So how do you refer to Jesus as an angel? It's just that you have no understanding of what that word stands for when it comes to the ministry of Jesus Christ as an angel. Amen? Now, if you look at the book, let's not forget this. The book of Revelation. Christ is referred to all through the book, you see, as a lion, as a lamb, as a root. It is the root of David. Remember that? As an offspring, as a witness, as a star. I mean, what is that supposed to be? Different phases of the manifestation of the Christ, depending on what is about to reveal or manifest to creation. Praise the Lord. So what is strange if he's referred to as an angel? Which is even more honorable to accept that he's an angel as compared to his lamb. <laughs> Hallelujah. You can accept him to be a lamb because maybe you understand the ministry he carried as a lamb of sacrifice. And so you believe that. But when I say he's an angel, come on, he can be. Why do you think so? Okay. I'll make you see something. Let's look at Revelation chapter 8, for instance, verse 3. Revelation 8, verse 3. And another angel came and stood over the altar. He had a golden censer, and he was given very much incense. Fragrant spices, gum, creatures who perfume when burnt, that he might mingle it with the prayers of all the people of God, the saints, upon the golden altar before the throne. Hallelujah. Now, is this another angel? Is this a different angel? But watch it. What ministry is this? This is a ministry of intercession. I don't know if you understand that. It's mingling the perfume with the prayers of the saints so that it can be accepted before God. Who is taking your prayers before God? Who is on the throne interceding for you? Isn't it Christ? Are you with me? So who do you think is mixing up this perfume together? I mean, this incense together with your prayers so that they can then accept it. Is there a different ministry in just doing that? No. Is the same person as Christ. This is another ministry entirely of him being an angel. Okay. This is not another angel completely different from Christ. Is what I'm trying to say. But Christ himself ministering as our high priest in the sanctuary of the spiritual heavens. Just like you have the earthly priest that you go to the most holy place. Is that okay? Right. In the days of Aaron, they have to go to the most holy place. And they have to go with the incense. The bonding incense. You remember that? Good. In the temple. So that the whole place full of aromas and all of those things. Whatever as the case may be. This is what the Lord is doing in the spirit realm. That's what the Bible is depicting to us. Now. His appearance here as it were in chapter 8. Actually dignifies his priestly ministry. This is his priesthood ministry. It's what you see here. Um, 
But when it comes to chapter 10, we said before, he's spoken of as another mighty angel. Did you notice that? If you go to chapter 10, verse 1, another mighty angel. Here is another angel. But in chapter 5, I mean chapter 10, say, another mighty angel. So, are they two different angels? Again, I said, no. But in chapter 10, like I said, chapter 8, you see his priestly ministry. Chapter 10, you see his royalty, dignity, glory in chapter 10. Hallelujah. Let me show you something. The word another is very important when he says another angel. Now, how do we know angel in chapter 8 or the same angel in chapter 10? The Greek construction is what gives us the clue to that. Now, in the Greek grammar, whenever the word another is used with a now before it, it literally means another who is the same. Do you understand it? When you use another in the Greek construction before a now, now, in the now is a person's name or thing, whatever. You understand what I'm trying to say? Okay. If you use the word another before a now, what you are literally saying is another who is the same. So here in that, it says, another angel. What is it supposed to mean? Another angel who is the same angel we find in chapter 8. <laughs> Are you getting that? Another means another angel who is the same angel. So anytime you read another angel, another angel, it's not a different one. It's the same person you read previously in that particular instance. That's the way it is in the Greek. Hallelujah. So, this is the word that is used throughout the whole book of Revelation. If you take time to read it, and that simply means that anytime you read another angel, another angel, another angel, you are just simply saying, another angel who is the same angel. But different ministration at different times. Praise the Lord. And of course, another angel in this night describing no other person but who? The Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the best way to explain this to us is for us to read John chapter 14, verse 16 to 18. King James, just go there. John 14, 16 to 18. Praise the Lord. And he said, and I want you to follow this because it's very important. I will pray the Father. And he shall give you another comforter. <laughs> so when you get another, who is the same as the same person, just follow that. That he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not. Neither knoweth him, but you know him, for he dwelleth with you. As Jesus Christ in the flesh and shall be in you 
are Jesus Christ in the spirit. Now look at the next thing. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come unto you. How is he going to come unto you? As the spirit. Did you get that? So, when you, when you begin to look at this, this is so plain for you to understand that when you talk about the spirit, you talk about truth, you talk about Jesus, you are speaking of the same person. But you say, another. Praise the Lord. So, this is the same grammatical structure that is used in that St. John for the Greek. Speaking of another who is the same. Another who is the same. So, you're talking about the Holy Spirit, talking about the Comforter. Who are you talking about? Jesus Christ. Amen? Oh. How many of you understand? He said, I am the truth. Did he say so? I'm the truth, the way, and the life. Now he said, I will give you the spirit of truth. So, is that another spirit? No. Another who is the same person. Do you understand that? Praise the Lord. I am the truth. I am the life, he said. Now he said, I'm going to give unto you the spirit of truth. I'm going to give you another comforter. And the other one said, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come unto you. How is it going to come unto you? So what he was saying, I'm going to give you another comforter. I mean, everything he said, because he is with you. First of all, because I'm standing with you in the flesh. I'll come again to you in the spirit. Another, quickly the same person. Praise the Lord. Okay, so we find out the comforter, the spirit of truth, and Christ himself are simply one and the same. The very person of Jesus Christ. He already identified himself all over, like I said, I am the truth, the way and the life. But why now in the spirit realm, after moving out of the flesh, he was to them another comforter of a truth. Another who is the same person. Did you get that? So it's another comforter. It means another who is the same. In other words, the comforter is the same Christ, but now in spirit form. From the physical to the spiritual. Are you following me? I'm trying to establish the fact that this angel you saw, hey, now help me. Is Jesus Christ himself? Nobody else. I saw another angel. I saw another mighty angel. Anytime you read that, you're just simply saying, another who is the same. Hallelujah. So we don't have three angels in the book of Revelation. We have four angels in the book of Revelation. We simply have another who is the same. Is that okay? Okay. Now we look at something very quickly. Um, Revelation again, chapter 10. Wow. Chapter 10, verse 1. And then... Um, and I saw another mighty angel. Now, what is going to be the difference here is the word mighty. Another who is the same but mighty. <laughs> Praise the Lord. 
Amen. Now, again, don't forget, the word angel actually means what? Messenger. So you can say, I saw another who is the same messenger. But this time, mighty. And again, we'll find out this is describing the Lord Jesus Christ in his fullness of authority and power and dominion resident with him. Now, how many of you understand scripture called Gideon, the mighty man of valor? You remember that? So what is mighty? It is the ability that is in that individual to do the purposes of God. So this angel be mighty, which is Christ himself, is describing the fullness of his power, dominion, authority. Hallelujah. Is the mightiness of his ways. Remember, he came in as it were, he won the battle. He conquered, if you will, the devil. And overcome sin, death, hell. Hallelujah. And even the grave. And have overcome in both reign. And then resurrected. All of these things are demonstration of the power within him. Remember what he said. I have power to lay down my life and to do what? Take it again. That's the mightiness that you find in this angel. So now, because he did all of that, he went through all of that, he was qualified to open the seven seal book and bring forth the revelation of his victory and glory in the many-membered body of the sons of God. Praise the Lord. Let's look at a scripture that describes to you, help me now, Lord, that describes to you the mightiness of God and how that mightiness is being infused into your life as being the body of Christ and the elect of God. Psalm 82, verse number 1. Excuse me. Praise God. Psalm 82, not 22. 82, verse number 1. Look at this. God standed in the congregation of what? Of the mighty. He judged among the gods. You see that? Now, it simply means the head is mighty, the body is becoming mighty. Did you find that? So when you say another mighty angel is not something different than Christ himself and it's infusing his mightiness into your life that at the end of the day he's going to be standing in the congregation of the mighty. Praise the Lord. So you find that this just is simply like I said before how the angel described Gideon thou mighty man of valor. Because there's something that was in Gideon, which creature was going to go conquering and to conquer. Same thing is being infused into your life. The head is mighty, now the body is becoming what? Mighty. Same description that was given to Gideon is coming to his body because there are things that you are going to accomplish. Just like he did accomplish so much because he was mighty. Are you following that? Praise the Lord. 
Why is it so? Because you see, we are bearing the same identity with him. He is the head, we are his body. The head cannot be mighty and the body is not mighty. No, practically impossible. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. We are becoming one with him. We belong to him. His head wears his body. Now, I'll show you another scripture that tells you exactly what I'm saying. Revelation chapter 14. Let's look at verse number 1. And I looked and lo, a lamb stood on a man's eye, and, and with him I hundred and forty and four thousand, having his father's name written in their forehead. What's that supposed to mean? What is man's eye? My Zion is the church. I'm sure you know that. And we all are in the church. But you are Zion. Going to Hebrew chapter 12 verse 22. You've come to my Zion, the city of the living God. Amen. Very good. Now he's saying he's starting in my Zion and those that are with him are 144,000. What do you think this is supposed to be? Now if you are not a lamb, it means you can't stand here. So, he is a lamb, and there are many lambs that are rising now to stand with him in my Zion. That's the point. It's only those that have the same identity with him that can be with him where he is. Does it make sense? So, he be mighty angels, he stand the congregation of the mighty, you become a mighty because he's, he's depositing your life and bringing forth. After conquering you, you go out to conquer as well. Praise the Lord. And so, in Revelation 14, he's standing in man's Zion. And what is that supposed to mean? With 144,000. Don't forget, it's not just 144,000 things are arithmetical value. No. This is talking about the fullness of God's kingdom. It's 12 times 12, which is 144. 12 is the fullness of God's kingdom. So, the multitude of God's kingdom is the multiplication of God's kingdom. You multiply 12 by 12, what you get is 144. God works in thousands. Is that okay? Are you with me? Yeah. So he's not talking about some figures. I, I, I can remember a brother just got offended with me uh, because of this in some few years ago. And he stopped communicating because he's actually a preterist. Some of you may not understand what preterism stands for. And so he said, this one for uh, people, the physical Israelite that were redeemed in the days of Jesus. You know, and then I say, brother, no, that can be because if you read down, you find out a thousand or more people. You understand that were also redeemed. And beside, the Bible says this were not defied with women. You begin to read down the story. He said they were not defied with women. They were there that followed the Lamb wherever he going. So they were virgins. What are you talking about? You mean few virgins were in Israel and there were one forty-four thousand? No. James chapter 1 verse 18 tells us that God redeemed us to himself by the word and so we are virgins unto God. Hallelujah. You, you understand what I'm saying? So now, he got offended. But it's fine. The book of Revelation is a prophetic book. It's not a literal book. You're going to read one over the 4,000 and say this is physical Israel. Then you're also going to look at a lion and say it's a literal lion that has to be walking in the forest. Praise God. Okay, but what am I saying? I saw another mighty angel. What's the meaning of that? Another? About the same? Is that okay? Good. Starting at the congregation of the mighty, and now here is my Zion, and those that are with him, 
Those that are with him, what is that supposed to mean? I'm saying in union with him we have taken his identity. So these people are having the lamb quality of life. They are lamb in nature. And not just that. The Bible says, having his father's name written in their forehead. What is that supposed to mean? They have the identity and the mind of Christ. The forehead is a place of wisdom. Is that okay? So if you have the name of God written on your forehead, it's not Yahweh. Or which of the name you think is going to be written on your forehead? Is it Yahweh? Oh, Yeshua. Or which one? Huh? Praise the living God. The name is simply a nature. That's what it is in the Greek. A name is a nature. And so what it means is the nature of God is being written in the mind of this people who are with Christ and Mount Zion. That's what it's saying. The nature of the Father. And don't forget what we read in Matthew chapter 1 verse 21. The goal, the end, the scope of that ritual pursuing is God himself. Hallelujah. Are you there with me? So these are the redeemed ones who have received the mind and the nature of God, just as Christ had the mind of the Father. And this agrees with the fact that in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6, for instance, is called both the mighty God, the everlasting Father. You remember that? Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. Look at that. The mighty God, the everlasting Father. So another mighty angel. We are not talking of somebody else completely different from Jesus Christ. He's the mighty God. The everlasting Father. Don't forget the simple definition of another. Hmm? Another but who is the same. Another who is the same. Is that okay? Alright. So when you say another angel, another mighty angel. Another who is the same. That we read before. So here we find that it's called the mighty God and that the everlasting Father. So it's both the mighty God and the everlasting Father. And yet, unto us, a son is what? He's given. Mystery. The mighty God. Yet, unto us, a son is given. Are you there with me? Good. All of this thing depicts the various phases of Christ's workers. In relation to redemption. So. And not just that. This mighty God. This son that is given. This everlasting father. This counselor. Is also a man. <laughs> is that okay? Alright. Now I'm just trying to describe to you now. The word another. Which is the same. Is that okay? Right. Now, let's look at a few passages again to tell you something. Don't forget, it's the mighty angel, everlasting father, great counselor, until us his son is given. But I'm saying, that man is still described as what? A man. Another face entirely. Another. Which is both the same. Okay, look at this. Let's look at... Um, Acts chapter um, 2 verse 20, 22. Acts 2 verse 22. Acts chapter 2 verse 22. Yea, men of Israel. Yea, this word, Jesus of Nazareth. Amen. 
<laughs> approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you as you yourself also know. Amen. Now you watch that. This time is already risen. He was in still in Palestine. But the description given to now remember Peter was saying that because of what was going on at that time. Spirits have been poured out, everything is working, you know, it's making this proclamation, people are turning to the Lord. At the state at which Christ was at that time, even after ascension, he referred to him as what? Amen. Praise the Lord. Okay? Look at John chapter 8, verse number 40. John 8 verse 40 And he said But now you seek to kill me A man That told you the truth He called himself A man Now I want you to look at the identities A mighty angel Everlasting father Counselor A son A man And on and on Another But Which is the same. Hallelujah. First Timothy two verse five. First Timothy two verse five. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. No, 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 no. I want you to because this is serious. Is this still a man in the physical sense? No. How is he a man? Okay, maybe let me reread this. I'll, I'll be able to show you something. Hebrews 7 23 25. Hebrews 7 23 25. And they truly were many priests, that's not a law, because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. But this man, like Jesus Christ, because he continued ever had an unchangeable priesthood. Wherefore he is also able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he also liveth to make intercession for them. So he's making intercession not just as a priest but as a man. Because Hebrews says it is from amongst men that God takes a priest and ordain them for who? For men. Are you following what I'm talking about? It is as because he's a man, he can able to buy your infirmities, he can be able to intercede for you because he's a man. That's just a ministry that is carried on. I'm trying to make you understand or see that you don't see a different ministry angel as compared to maybe Revelation 8 and the Revelation 10. It's still another which is the same. Praise the Lord. So in all of these passages, it's been referred to as what? A man. And that's because of the role. That's because of the role that is playing. Okay. Let's look at something in Psalm 28 verse number 24. Psalm 24 verse number 8. Psalm 24 verse number 8. 
Psalm 24 verse number 8. Okay, let's look at it from verse 7. Lift up your head, O your gates, and be a lift up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Now look at the next thing. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. The word Lord is Yahweh. Who is this King of glory? The Lord Yahweh, strong and mighty. The Lord Yahweh, strong in battle. Did you get that? So when he said, another mighty angel is describing his forcefulness in battle. Praise the Lord. Now, but does that surprise you? That the one referred to as a man is also the mighty Yahweh. <laughs> Praise the living God. That's just a simple definition or clear definition for you of that which is called another. Okay, now let me read something for you. First Corinthians 2 verse 8. Look at this. First Corinthians 2 verse 8. Remember? Lift up your earlier gate and let the king of glory come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord mighty in battle. First Corinthians chapter 2 verse 8. First Corinthians 2 verse 8. First Corinthians, not Chronicles. Praise the Lord. Uh, it simply says, It talks about, okay, go back to verse 7. Back up a bit to verse 7. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 7. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even though hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. We'll look at verse number 8. Which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified what? The Lord of glory. What do you read in verse, I mean, Psalm 24? Lift up your eyes on your gate and be lifted. And the Lord of glory will do what? Will come in. Did you see it? Praise the Lord. So we find that a man that we were describing before is also the Lord of glory. Simply meaning. That very man that was crucified is the same Yahweh that is mighty in battle. Praise the Lord. So, the crucified Christ is the same Lord of glory who is mighty in battle and is the same mighty angel of Revelation 10 that we are considering. Therefore, just as we read of the angels of the seven churches like you find in the book of Revelation chapter 2, chapter 3. If you look at the translation it says it's speaking to the pastor of the churches or the messenger of the church or the angels of the churches. So you find out the word angel, pastor, messenger is the same thing. Did you get that? 
So angel here is not describing for us something with creation, with wings, that flies in the night. Uh, and then maybe when the rapture is coming, all of them will follow the Lord and then we play in trumpet. Oh, and then the whole place, you know. Those dead in the cemetery will just be coming up. <laughs> Praise the Lord. It's wonderful. Very wonderful. Let's try to define from the scriptures what an angel stands for. Very simple. Malachi chapter 3, verse number 1. Let's look at it from the message. I mean the amplifier. I think I would like us to read the amplifier translation. Malachi chapter 3, verse number 1. Thank you. Behold. I send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. Who is this messenger? This is John the Baptist. And the Lord, the Messiah, whom you seek, will suddenly come to his temple. The messenger, or what? Angel of the covenant. Very simple. Whom you desire. Behold, he shall come, says the Lord of hosts. Did you get that? So if the word messenger equals what? Angel. So when he said, I saw another mighty angel, you can rightly say, I saw another mighty what? Messenger. Praise the Lord. And all of this describing who? Jesus Christ. Nobody else. And so in dealing with that Revelation chapter 10, it's no other person but who? The Lord Jesus Christ. I'm still trying to make you see this man whose leg is in the sea and whose leg is on the land. That angel is the one we're trying to define. And the person I'm trying to present to you is the Lord Jesus Christ who is mighty in battle. He is the Lord of glory. And if men have known who the Lord of glory is, they will not have crucified him. Hallelujah. But in Revelation 10, he shows up in his royal majesty of he who has conquered and is still conquering. And just like we find in Revelation 4, his feet as that of fire to subdue, to bring to nothingness all of those things that offend in his kingdom. So that you come out in perfection and glory as he bringing many sons into glory. That at the end of the day, he be mighty, we are also becoming a mighty company of people. So on the face of the earth, we shall finally find the church that stands for that which is called the mighty. Hallelujah. Because he said, I stand in the congregation of the mighty. Right? And a job between the gods. And that is what Jesus said. If the scripture says, ye are gods, then the scripture cannot be what? Broken. So what's the other scripture? That ye are gods. He was quoting Psalm 82. And these people, the Bible referred to them as what? The mighty. So when I saw, I saw another mighty angel, I saw another who is the same angel called Jesus Christ. I love you. I'll see you next.